With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Andy Staples on 3. We're live on these internets just in time for halftime of the Bills Chiefs game. So if you can tear yourself away from Taylor Swift and, and Travis Kelsey and Josh Allen and the, the meme we're going to see over and over again if the Bills win this game of Taylor looking back at Josh as he walks past and Travis is like, huh? We know, we, we, you know what meme we're talking about. But we got big college football news because apparently we're not going to have an offseason where there is not a day or set of days without big college football news. And the transfer portal does not take weekends off. So since the last time we've had a show, much has happened in the transfer portal. We'll be talking to Pete Nakos of On3 about that very shortly. But short answer to that when Ohio State is getting very, very serious about winning in the transfer portal, about building an even better roster than they usually build through their very good recruiting. And also, since the last time I had a show, Ohio State has hired an offensive coordinator, Bill O'Brien, back to college football. And his arrival actually coincides with some of the news from today. So Julian Sayan, the Alabama signee who had enrolled at Alabama, but then entered the portal after Nick Saban retired, after Kalen DeBoer was hired, also after a former Washington quarterback named Austin Mack committed to Alabama following Kalen DeBoer there. Well, Julian Sayan has committed to Ohio State. He did that on Sunday. Point out that for the most of the time that Julian Sayan was being recruited by Alabama, Bill O'Brien was Alabama's offensive coordinator. So there is a relationship there, and uh, it's it's interesting because O'Brien was with the Patriots this past year, but I think probably Julian Sayan, when he committed, thought he might wind up playing for Bill O'Brien, and now he's going to probably play with Bill O'Brien. But uh, we, we shall see. Will Howard, obviously, the Kansas State transfer, probably Ohio State starter this year, but Julian Sayan now in the boat with the Buckeyes, joining Caleb Downs, the All-America safety from Alabama, who also has committed to Ohio State. So we're going to talk to Pete about all that because they are definitely serious in Columbus. And look, if you've lost three in a row to Michigan, if you want to take back the Big Ten, if you want to play for national titles, this is how you got to do it. This is how you got to do it. In fact, Ohio State's action in the portal lately, and uh, like I'll point out, Caleb Downs, his announcement, the, the collective announced it first. <laughs> they had signed Caleb Downs. And so this has even caught the attention of Lane Kiffin, uh, who himself quite, quite good in the transfer portal, the Ole Miss coach. He tweeted on Sunday a story that kind of aggregates a random Twitter account. You click on the link, you realize this is coming from a random Twitter account, but it says Ohio State Buckeyes spent $13 million in counting in NIL money in an attempt to field or elite roster. That is actually the amount that, that Ryan Day said two years ago is how much it would cost to compete. If you think about it logically, it's actually probably still a little light. It's basically one 
one franchise tag safety in the NFL. I don't even think it'll get you that anymore. Or if we wanted to put it in other terms, it will get you one Lane Kiffin and both his coordinators. So if you can get a whole ass team that can actually compete for stuff for the cost of one head coach and two coordinators, you're doing all right. You are doing all right. Because I guarantee you there's no team in the NFL that could have a payroll that equaled the salaries of their head coach and two coordinators that would be competitive. So if that's all it takes, because I get it, 13 million sounds like a lot. But when we put it in perspective, like Lane Kiffin makes $9 million a year. So it's like Lane Kiffin is more than half of the cost of the roster. So it's really not that expensive, especially when you consider all of the fringe benefits you get out of actually competing for the national title. Ace in the chat says, you do it, but do it legally, man. Come on, Andy. Then again, all this falls on the NCAA. No, this is fine. (laughs) Again, I don't care if they're getting paid or how much. It's all market value. If you're going to pay coaches $10 million a year, $11 million a year, I don't really care how much you pay the players. It doesn't matter. It's not my money. You spend it however you want. So, but... And I think we need to have a regular segment on this show of just stalking Lane Kiffin through Twitter since he's nice enough to tweet about where he is. Uh, Lane Kiffin apparently visited his first Bucky's today. If you've been listening to the show for a while and watching the show for a while, you know how I feel about Bucky's. Just one of the greatest places in America, one of the greatest chains in America. Uh, Beaver, I can't remember his name. His nickname is Beaver, but he's the guy in Texas who invented Bucky's. Who's like, I know, we'll have a gas station the size of a Walmart. That would be awesome. Yes. Love you, love you, love you, Beaver. And so Lane Kiffin got to experience a Bucky's for the first time today. He said it was life-changing. I agree. Now, this picture of this Bucky's, eagle-eyed viewers, you tell me where Lane Kiffin is because I'm not sure. And Bucky's is expanded so much beyond Texas that we really, it's hard to narrow down. There's nothing architecturally different about this particular photo it looks like most bucky's he's near the fudge area you can see the barbecue area over there so not entirely sure where lane kiffin is in this bucky's but if if you know if you see anything that that screams this is the bucky's near daytona beach on i-95 or this is the bucky's near mobile on i-10 or this is the bucky's in warner robbins georgia on i-75 you 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 Drop a shout in the chat. I'd love to know. Love to know. But yes, Lane Kiffin pointing out that Ohio State is being very aggressive with the NIL, which as they should be. They're one of the best teams in America. I would think they would like to stay that way. Yo-Yo in the chat. If Ohio State doesn't beat us next year, I'm assuming Yo-Yo's a Michigan fan, then Ryan Day might be out of a job. Mike, Buckeyes don't beat everyone next year. He might not have a job. Yes, yes, this is true. All of this does put more pressure on Ryan Day. Absolutely puts more pressure on Ryan Day. But that's okay. The Ohio State job is pressure. Like, your job, and I know you you hear me say this and you laugh at me when I say this about Alabama or when I say this about Tennessee or LSU or Auburn or everywhere it's like this. Your job is to win the national championship. That is your job. So if you are 
Oh, Jared in the chat says, smells like fear in here. And Jared's an Ohio State fan. I don't think anybody's afraid yet, Jared. But I do think they're looking at this and going, hmm, this does feel a bit different. This does feel like Ohio State is taking this very seriously. Now, we're also going to talk with Pete Nakos about Ohio State's rival, Michigan. because, I, And I want to talk to you about this, too. So I have a column coming out on On3 on Monday morning. So if you're watching live right now, just remember, you'll have a column to read in the morning if you want to goof off at work. If you're listening in podcast form, you can already, you can already read it. So here's the deal. Given what we've seen from Alabama with the, the players leaving, entering the transfer portal once Kalen DeBoer was hired, does it not make Michigan's decision if Jim Harbaugh leaves incredibly easy? Does it not make it a no-brainer? Which it may have already been a no-brainer, but you know, I talk to these agents and, and you know, try to stay ahead of the curve on things. And I've talked to a few that say that they think if Harbaugh were to go to the NFL, that Michigan might actually have a coaching search. Now, if that happens, it it would surprise me because I feel like Sharon Moore is the slam dunk choice. And he's right there on the staff. But this could be agents trying to wish this into existence, or it could be something that they might actually consider. But if you watched Alabama in the last week, if you watched the situation there and watched who's gone into the portal because they wanted to play for Nick Saban and not, not Nick Saban, do you not say the Sharon Moore decision is the easiest decision in the world? Because that allows you to keep things as continuous as possible. It allows you to keep the players as comfortable as possible. Because again, if Harbaugh decides to go to the NFL, it's sort of it's very similar to Saban, where it is an all-time great coach choosing to leave of his own accord, but it still opens the transfer portal for 30 days. The difference here is Alabama didn't have somebody on the staff who felt like the obvious successor. Sharon Moore does feel like the obvious successor, and we've seen him do the job. So I just think that's it makes this decision so easy for the Michigan brass, especially if you can keep Ben Herbert, the strength coach. I think that matters a lot. Now, he might, like Harbaugh want to, might want to take him with, but again, NFL teams don't value strength coaches the way college teams do. So I don't know if that would necessarily happen. But if you could keep all those guys together, or most of those guys together, I don't, I don't know if they could keep Jesse Mentor, the defensive coordinator. He might, he might want to go be an NFL defensive coordinator. But if you can keep most of the infrastructure together, most of the coaching staff together, I do think it might keep them from getting picked apart in the portal. I do think it would keep those guys from all entering the portal. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong because it is very difficult to determine what's going to happen with this is also new. Because from an economic standpoint, yes, it makes the most sense in the world if you're a really good player to go into the portal and at least see or at least threaten to go in the portal and see if you can get a better deal where you are. Uh, Jacob in the chat says that roster would be torn to shreds. I don't know if it would. If Sharon Moore gets elevated to head coach, I don't know if it would. It'll be a great question. I don't know if it's going to happen. We may not have to answer that question because Jim Harbaugh may come back to Michigan, but we're going to find out eventually what the answer to that is. Jim Harbaugh was at an NFL game this weekend, but 
it was the Ravens game. He was supporting his brother, John, as the Ravens moved on to the AFC championship by beating the Texans. So it, it is a great question to ask, but I just think after seeing this, your best shot, especially because you already have a guy who looks like he's the best choice anyway, that you don't need to do all this. And look, I know when, when Urban Meyer handed off to Ryan Day, Gene Smith did look around, vet other candidates, but felt comfortable with Ryan Day being the guy. I guess we'll find out if that's if that was a good move or not <laughs> this this season with this this mega roster that Ohio State's assembling. Kyle in the chat uh, trying to be funny. Andy, aren't you a basketball guy? Hey, we are going to do some basketball here, and in fact, let's talk about some basketball right now because if you were watching on Sunday, especially if you were tuning in to watch the the Bucks Lions game on NBC, the thing that happened before the Bucks Lions game was really interesting. It was an Iowa-Ohio State women's basketball game from Columbus. And very close game, tight, wire-wire. Ohio State ends up winning in overtime. After the game, court storming. Caitlin Clark, who scored 45 points in the game, is trying to run off the court. She slams into a fan who's trying to run onto the court, holding up the cell phone, trying to film themselves running onto the court. And so... This is why you have like the SEC constantly saying we have to stiffen the penalties for court and field storms because we can't have something happen. Now, fortunately, Caitlin Clark was okay, but you guys got to be careful when you're storming courts or storming fields, or they're going to do something about it, or they're going to ban it. Because I'm not, I'm not the fun police. Like I would like you to be able to do this. I think it's. Awesome. The visual's cool. I've been on the field a bunch of times when the field's been stormed. Most people are just trying to have a good time. But I will tell you that the best thing to do if you are doing that is stay away from any players, whether they're your team's players or the other team's players, but especially the other team's players, and pay attention. Like, you don't need to be filming this on your phone as you're running out onto the court or onto the field. Because you can remember it. Just remember it. I know that's hard for that generation to understand. But there are times when you can just remember the thing. And you don't have to have a video of it on your phone. And you can tell the story and the story will be great. Because, like, this person was really lucky that they didn't injure Caitlin Clark. Like, the reason, like, because Caitlin Clark was helping out Ohio State today. The reason the arena was packed at Ohio State was because Caitlin Clark was there. She's selling out every arena in the Big Ten. Like, she's making money for every school in the Big Ten. It's bad for business if you injure Caitlin Clark. Caitlin Clark. So just remember that. And also remember, if you do it in a football game and you hit the wrong football player, you're going to get seriously injured and no one is going to care. So... When you go on the field of the court, remember that's their territory. Leave them alone. Do not touch them. Stay away from them. And you do not need to record it with your phone. Just run, cheer, have fun with your friends, and remember it. Because if you're holding up your phone, you're going to run into somebody you're not supposed to run into. You could hurt yourself or you can hurt the other person, or again, if it's a football game and it's the wrong football player, yeah, it ain't going to go well for you. So, 
follow these simple rules and none of this will get banned. But yeah, somebody running into Caitlin Clark, I guarantee you, like Greg Sankey, the SEC commissioner who has been trying to curb court and field stormings in his league for years is going to look at this and go, see, now we got to make the penalty stiffer. Now we got to do, do more. We got to keep people from doing this. So that's why you got to be careful here. Or something that's fun and something we love seeing might get taken away from you. But that is neither here nor there. Glad Caitlin Clark's okay. Glad whoever ran into her didn't get seriously hurt either. Just be careful. And again, Remember it. You don't need it on your phone. Just keep 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 it up here. Keep it up here. All right. Now it is time to dive deep into the transfer portal because again, it does not sleep. It does not take weekends off. And apparently neither is Ohio State because the Buckeyes did some work these last few days, seriously trying to upgrade their roster. We talked about that. We talked about Caden Proctor. We talked about the Michigan situation with on three's Pete Nakos. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We welcome Pete Nakos, who is a very, very, very busy man. It's Sunday. Ohio State has a new quarterback. He was an Alabama quarterback not long ago. He was a high school quarterback not long ago. Julian Sayan, the... Crown jewel of Alabama's 2024 recruiting class now in Ohio State Buckeye? Yeah, yeah. He has just announced his commitment, and uh, the fireworks continue to go off in Columbus, right? Caleb Downs, Julian Sand, yep. Will Howard, Quinshot Judkins. It has been an eventful three weeks in Columbus. Well, and, and the Caleb Downs one's really interesting. So Caleb Downs, freshman All-America safety from Alabama, when he hit the portal, we all assumed he's from Atlanta, Traveris Robinson, the assistant who recruited him to Alabama, is going to Georgia. Georgia's collective is obviously very interested in Georgia getting one of the best safeties in America. We we all assume Georgia. And then on Friday, Caleb Downs. And, and the first announcement was actually from the collective itself saying, we've signed Caleb Downs. Yeah. it uh, Welcome to 2024 in college football. Um, but yeah, I mean. Man, if you told me Caleb Downs was going to go to Ohio State when he even like he, the murmurs before he actually won in the portal, you would have stunned me. And that's not a shout out Ohio State. It's just how many people thought and how, even how many sources thought it was like a walk to, to Georgia. And um, yeah, Traverius Robinson at, at Georgia was supposed to give the Bulldogs the trump card. And uh, it just didn't happen. And now Caleb Downs is going to be a Buckeye and going through spring ball and I mean, we could talk about this all off season, but I'll just put it out there now. I mean, the 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 standard, what the expectations at Ohio State in twenty twenty four are going to be sky high. They they are. I mean, it's it's feeling like national championship or bust, which I think it's kind of like that at Ohio State every year, but especially now with the three consecutive losses to Michigan, they're just 
they're not playing around. And, yeah. you know, at, at this point where we don't yet know what's going to happen with Jim Harbaugh, we will find out sooner Soon. rather than later. But the quarterback thing is interesting because Julian's saying on three industry, number one quarterback in the country, number five overall recruit in the country. And he's it's an interesting one because we're not entirely sure that he just said, I don't want to play for Kalen DeBoer because his <laughs> entry to the portal came right after Austin Mack, who has been at Washington for a year with DeBoer, committed to Alabama. Yeah, I mean, just uh, I had heard murmurs about Julian saying, let's say like 48 hours before he actually went in. But at that point, everyone was like, okay, we expect him to go through spring ball and then go in the portal right after a day in April. Um, and that's obviously obvious, obviously ultimately what he decided not to do. I heard that quite a few things and, and some things like maybe he wasn't the right fit for Kalen DeBoer's system. Obviously adding Austin Mack was not the best signal for, for saying in his camp. Um, but yeah, the minute he went in, it was very clear that he wanted to go to Ohio state and the, the conversation, the last 48, 72 hours has more been at Ohio state about what they wanted to do. And if they wanted to take him and, and less of trying to convince Julian saying it'd be a Buckeye. Well, and, and one of the strangest things about all of this is Ohio state just hired Bill O'Brien as its offensive coordinator. Bill O'Brien was Alabama's offensive coordinator during a lot of Julian Sayan's recruitment to Alabama. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I wrote about it the last couple of days, but yeah, I think, I think there's part of it where Julian Sayan right wants to be developed under Ryan day, but I think there's a large chunk of it that knows like, Hey, I can trust Bill O'Brien. I know how Bill O'Brien is going to go about his business. That's what I'm all about. I want to go be a Buckeye with Bill O'Brien. Yeah. Now, what what does this mean for Aaron Noland, who was a, a you know top flight recruit in the class of 24? He signed with the Buckeyes. He's from the state of Georgia. I, I noticed on Sunday afternoon, he tweeted out a picture of himself at the uh, Ohio State upset of Iowa in women's basketball. And yeah. he's standing behind Brutus Buckeye and smiling big and says, go, you know, hashtag go Buck. So seems like he's he's in for the competition for now. You know, um, I had the chance to speak to Aaron Owen super quick at the Elite 11 finals this summer, and he strikes me as the kind of kid who's not going to run for the hills. He's going to uh, kind of embrace competition. Um, him and Julian Sane have a very similar game. Uh, they were two of the better competitors that I saw at the Elite 11 this past summer, and I think, I mean, Andy, like, Will Howard's going to start this year. Like, we all know that. Right. So I think I think that this now turns into more of, okay, now maybe the table's set for a competition next year. Um, but I definitely think Aaron Nolan strikes me as the kind of guy who's going to stay in Columbus and fight for that job next to Julian Sane, and we'll see how everything kind of falls after that. The other big, and I, I'm, I'm using the term literally and figuratively, domino from the, the hire of Kalen DeBoer, the retirement of Nick Saban, Caden Proctor, the, the offensive tackle, who's the number one offensive line prospect in 2023, comes to Alabama, starts 14 games at left tackle. He is headed home to Iowa, where he initially committed and then flipped to Alabama late in the process. Yeah, that was one where people, A, weren't surprised he went in, and B, everybody expected him to go to Iowa. Like There was like some people at Florida State who were like, ooh, that could be interesting, Ohio State, like a few others, but I mean... At the end of the day, everybody knew he was going to go to Iowa. Um, obviously, there's the funny video going around now where people think Iowa tampered. 
Uh, we don't have to get we're, into that. Basically, they said, ha- keep your head up when he was having some bad times in the middle <laughs> of the year. Yeah, yeah, we don't have to fully dive into that. But but what I'm trying to say is, yeah, it was always going to be the Hawkeyes here. Yeah. And I, I thought it was – so Scott Dockerman, who I used to work with at, the, at, the, at yeah. the Athletic, had a really interesting column with a good point. And, and I've talked to coaches about this too. Most coaches, even before all these rule changes, always felt like, hey – you don't burn a kid when he says no to you or when he flips on you. You stay right. nice, you stay pleasant and and be respectful cuz you never know. You might wind up yeah. coaching them in another school, you might wind up dealing with them in the NFL. Like you might wind up dealing with this person again. Yeah. And in and now it's even bigger because if they decide they don't want to be where they were initially, yeah, it might be coming right back to you. I mean th- I mean Obviously, Caden Proctor, but obviously Caleb Downs too. Both yeah. both young, talented freshmen who uh, both schools kept tabs on them. And I think it goes a little bit deeper too with Caden Proctor. Obviously, right? he's from Iowa, yeah. and that and that flip to Alabama. I mean, it, it happened at the like final hour. It was not um, something that happened like three months before National Signing Day. Um, and you and the, you heard the homesickness rumors too. Right. Throughout spring practice, throughout the summer. So it, it makes sense. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think the other thing too is right. Like, uh, like Oregon was in the, like a lot of big schools wanted Caden Proctor and they decided, and he decided to stick with Iowa until it was Alabama. Yeah. And also you don't go to Iowa cause you want to play in a great offense because you're not going to like, I think, yeah. I think we we figured that out over the last few years. Now they've they've produced some good offensive linemen, but uh, right now that they're not running a very dynamic offense. So, uh, but this will be a uh, this will be just a, a case study. What has happened? The the domino effect because you, you know, like you've got an Arizona quarterback following Jed Fish to Washington now. You yeah. you know you you had we mentioned Austin Mack, a Washington quarterback following Kalen DeBoer to Alabama. You know how much of this following are we going to see? Uh, down the line yeah i mean i think it's it's going to continue to cascade and obviously we have to see about michigan and that's completely separate but like buffalo just found its new head coach today because yes. uh, their head coach wants to be an assistant at alabama and i guess the other thing that i think about too is like you think about lincoln riley and ryan day and like bob stoops and urban meyer wanted to hand it off and i guess maybe it's the youngin in me where i was kind of like oh yeah i guess that's a smart idea but now covering it all I'm like, wow, that was genius. Like, I would never want to be an athletic director and know that my uh, 72 or whatever year old head coach is going to retire and he built this program and like seeing what's going to happen now. Well, I'll bring this up because I have a column running on Monday at On3 about this very situation is if you were Ward Manual and the people making decisions at Michigan, I feel like this makes your decision for you like you you have if, if jim harbaugh takes an nfl job right you kind of have to promote sharon more i yeah I, maybe i'm wrong on this but i feel like that gives you your best chance of keeping that roster together i would feel like you have to take sharon and, and not just because of i mean how great of a job he did and everything um but i i think with with seeing the roster exodus at, at Alabama last week. I mean, you have to do sure. And and the other thing too is this is all gonna f- like f- fall apart. I could say whatever uh, if if Harbaugh leaves in like February first, give or take. Right, it's the twenty first right now. Like mm-hmm. terrible timing. Like you can't go at anybody in the portal at that point. 
and then yeah, you're going to have to and, build and, an entire roster in April, mm-hmm. which is right. Wow. Which is, which is another piece of this also is like with Alabama, they are going to be serious buyers in the portal market post spring. Yep. And so be terrified if you've got some good players who are yep. still on your roster and you're a non sec team. Cause I, what, if the sec doesn't change their rule, the only shopping Alabama can do is outside the sec. The only, right. you know, Washington can shop anywhere mm-hmm. and, the, the, and they need to, but yep. Alabama can only shop outside the sec. And they got time to figure out how the heck they're going to pull it off too. Right. It's, it's yeah. April is like, you got two, three months. I mean, you got plenty of time to try to figure out how to piece this thing together now and how you're going to go about the portal. And man, who knew in November, even that like we were going to be sitting here though and talking about Kalen DeBoer having to rebuild a roster at Alabama. It is, it is wild. But now here's where, where I think the Alabama and Michigan situations are a little bit different. There wasn't anybody on Alabama's staff that you said, okay, that's the logical successor to Nick Saban, where you'd yeah. say, okay, easy to hand it over, continuities protected. Like with Urban Meyer handing off to Ryan Day, they actually had the, the trial period where Ryan Day was the acting head coach for three games. It felt right. like that was, was set up. Bob Stoops handing off to Lincoln Riley, same thing. They had time with Lincoln, two years of Lincoln Riley's offensive coordinator to know this is the guy. We could put him in here, It'll, and and the and the Stoops one was right before the season too, which yeah. also that one is was in June. Well, different. and I think yeah. So, but in this case, Michigan has a guy who has actually done the job. Yeah, and you'd think would be respected enough by the players to keep it together. And I still think whether they can keep Ben Herbert, the strength coach, mm. has a lot to do with with how the roster stays together if yeah. it happens. But you're right. And and the other part of it is like from an economic standpoint, if you're those players, there's going to be a period where you're the only people who could go in the portal. Like once the Bama and Washington and Arizona windows yep. close, that makes you more valuable. <laughs> oh my gosh. It makes you so much more. Valuable. If you're the only quarterback in the transfer portal for a minute and you think about like everywhere that's still a shopping for a quarterback, I mean, who cares what your stats are or what your your star ranking is? You're definitely going to at least go on a visit, if not, probably get an offer. Um, so yeah, it's yeah, it's if if anyone thinks the off season is like even close to done now that like some Alabama pieces fell, like you haven't seen anything until Jim Harbaugh retires. I'm not sure. retires. Jeez, I'm losing my yeah. mind. Today. No, yeah. no, it's no. Hey, listen, if he leaves for the NFL, we don't cover the NFL, so yeah, to us he's gone. But yeah, no, I. And we don't know what's going to happen. I'm going to I'm going to put the disclaimer out there for the Michigan fans. We do not know if he's leaving for the NFL. We I do no know clue. he's interviewed for a couple jobs. So, but I think you if you're if you're Ward Manual, if you're the people in charge of it, you just have to be ready for this. Like you, you have to know. And I I do wonder, Pete, if if they were even considering going outside, which I don't know if they were or not. But does the last week and a half just tell you, don't do that? Right. Right. I would think it has to, right? Like, even if you thought it wasn't going to be bad, and then right Thursday, Friday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday happened, you have Caleb Downs and King Proctor, and then Julian Sane all go in. Like, if I'm sitting at Michigan right now, I'm like, okay, like, I know Donovan Edwards is coming back. Like, that is someone that we definitely cannot lose in 2024. Well, K- Kenneth Grant, and I'm not suggesting he would go into the portal, but if I'm a team that wants to tamper, 
That's yes. who I'm tampering with, like yeah. more than anyone. And yeah. and but also, you know, Will Johnson, I would tamper with him. I, you know, yeah. with with both Moors on their defense, on their yeah. starting defense, I would tamper with both of them. Like, and that's the thing that they've got to play some serious defense if Harbaugh leaves, regardless yeah. of whether they promote Sharon Moore or hire somebody else. I would say Ward Manuel's two biggest things right now are one retain Sharon Moore as head coach, and then two, put together the most uh, appealing deal for Jesse Minter to stay put for another year. Yeah, and, and that's the one I'd worried about because if, if Harbaugh goes to the NFL, Jesse Minter's probably his DC. And that's... Yes. But again, I keep saying this, and I don't know if this is if this is true or not, but I feel like if Harbaugh goes to the NFL on great terms with Michigan, that not only does the John Harbaugh defensive coordinator internships program stay open a Jim Harbaugh defensive coordinator internship program opens as well so they mm. would just be funneling their hottest young prospects into the Michigan defensive coaching staff yeah yeah maybe you could even get an offensive pipeline going too yeah exactly exactly yeah you know you you can turn this into something that can help you for years and years or yeah you can say we're going to hire outside and just blow it all up now. <laughs> it's it's crazy. But I will like I, going back to Alabama. I, I keep thinking about this, Pete. And I'm curious to get your thoughts on it. This is this looks terrible right now. Yeah. I feel like in a year when Kalen DeBoer and his staff have been there, have had a full cycle to recruit, that we're going to look back on this and be like, ah, maybe it wasn't that because it's not all of Alabama's players. Like a lot of Alabama's returning starters are still there. They still yeah. have more four and five star talent on their roster than almost anybody else. Like it, it's not the disaster we're painting it as because we're prisoners of the moment. You know, I'm not going to disagree with you. I think that's a great point. I think though, next December and January is going to be very telling of how mm -hmm. people feel about Kalen DeBoer. You're going to have he's going to have time to go in the portal and rebuild. You're right that not everyone has left. He'll also have a full recruiting cycle. I, I mean. I just think next, like early off season, like December, January, I, I think we'll either be praising Kalen DeBoer because Alabama will be in the 12 team playoff or, or very close to it, or there's going to be a lot of a lot of naysayers out there who are questioning National Signing Day, losing a lot of talent. I mean, I, the next eight months or so are going to be very telling of how this is all going to go in my opinion. Yeah, and how they play is going to determine yes. a lot of it too. If they're if yeah. they're kicking everybody's butt, then I, I think everybody just Forget gets on about the train it. yeah. and it's good. But yeah, no, it, it is it is going to be a fascinating next few months. And uh, as you pointed out, this offseason ain't over yet. Like the, the, there may be a brief lull. Like if Harbaugh comes back, there's probably a lull. Probably through spring practice. But then once that spring window opens, it's Katie bar the, the door again. Yeah. I mean, those two weeks in April, I, I've, I've talked about it on Twitter. You and I maybe even talked about it, but like, I, I am expecting full blown chaos in April. You have time for your boosters and donors to funnel some more money to the collectives. You have time for scouting departments to evaluate tape and try to figure out who might go in and maybe who's even worth tampering with. And you have time to figure out what the positional needs are. Do we need a quarterback? Do we need a lineman? I mean, April is the time to really nitpick and take your roster from good to we're going to compete for a Big Ten title or an yeah. SEC title. 
Well, and, and Michigan's a prime example of that. Is it uh, Ladarius Henderson was a post spring right. pickup last year? That was another. That was a, a very key pickup. They're starting left tackle. So, yeah. yeah, this is this is not slowing down anytime soon. Who who you got your eye on in the portal right now? Who there there's some guys that, that it seems like have popped up in the last few days that that a lot of people are interested in. Um, there's a lot of old linemen. Uh, from Washington still kind of on the board and it, does Alabama line them? Uh, I'm not so sure. That'll be interesting to watch. Um, obviously no, if and LC staying at Arizona, that, that that's a really big one. Um, and then Jonah Coleman, the Arizona running back. I mean, uh, some people pegged him immediately going to Washington. Um, he's in the portal right now, but he, he strikes me as someone who, who might have second thoughts about leaving uh, Tucson. Yeah, Nate Kalepo, starting left guard from Washington, visited Miami last week. Uh, our Zach Barry at OM Spirit reporting that he's he's looking at Ole Miss now. Uh, that's going to be because those guys don't don't grow on trees, and yeah, you know it's not always a Caden Proctor story where it's just going home. So yeah, uh, this this one will be interesting because that's that's a, a major value that can be picked up in the portal. Yeah that you normally can't. So the one other thing I'll mention too, is like this weekend was eerily quiet, like not a lot. Like, so I'm like waiting one of these schools to just like unload, like five people going in the portal. Never stops. Never stops. Pete Nakos. Thank you so much. You bet. Thanks so much, Andy. That is Pete Nakos. And he is going to, he's going to be busy this week. Kyle in the chat asks, is there a weird chance that, that Jesse mentor, is named the head coach over Sharon Moore if Jim Harbaugh leaves. I don't think so. I, I I think mentor more likely defensive coordinator with Harbaugh wherever he goes, or you know maybe he stays at Michigan with a really nice deal. But Moore would be the guy uh, to come up. And you know Kyle's been been saying Michigan's not doing anything in the portal. No, Michigan hasn't got anybody in the portal this cycle yet, but. As we've seen over the past two years, Michigan's been better than almost anyone at spot recruiting out of the portal to fill little gaps. Uh, Olu Oluotimi on the 2022 team. Ladarius Henderson, as I mentioned. Drake Nugent as a, the center. Josiah Stewart, the edge rusher from Coastal Carolina. Very good portal recruiting. In fact, I would argue that so far, Michigan has been as good as anybody except maybe Florida State and Ole Miss in the portal. And Michigan just hasn't had to transform anything. They've, they've needed to plug a few holes, and they've been really good at that. So I'm not worried about Michigan in the transfer portal unless they decide to blow it up if Jim Harbaugh leaves. Like, then whatever happens, happens. But if it is Harbaugh staying or if it's more getting promoted, that would be my guess. Speaking of Michigan and everybody else in Alabama, Put up a little poll on Sunday, and I'm curious to see how you guys feel about this. So I was going through game time just to see what some of the hotter tickets for early next season are. And so I put up a poll and said, what, which of these games, which game time has tickets for all of them, use code Staples for $20 off your first purchase, which of these games, LSU-USC in Vegas week one, Notre Dame at Texas A&M, Texas at Michigan, Georgia at Alabama. Which of those do you most would you most want tickets to? And so that is a oh, it's a hell of a foursome. Michigan Texas is winning 
the Twitter poll right now. But some games that that people sent me that said you you know none of these. I'm you left off the one I want to go to. Ohio State at Oregon is another great one. Michigan Washington the rematch from the national title game in Seattle is a good one. And another Alabama one, Alabama at Wisconsin. Those are going to be amazing. I I cannot wait. It's it's so it's January. We have a long time, but it is going to be an epic, epic college football season in 2024. And again, we're going to be talking about how these rosters get constructed for quite some time. So we shall see. But look at these games. Just look at them. <laughs> this is going to be incredible. LSU, USC, and Vegas could be fun. I don't know how good USC is going to be, though. I, that's that's one of the big questions of the offseason. As Danton Lynn gets hired as the defensive coordinator, will USC finally be serious about defense? I don't know. Uh, notice I did not put any Florida games on there, though the last half of Florida's schedule, if you showed it to someone in the 90s, they would have gone, oh my God, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. Florida's going to play all these teams? They're not thinking that way right now. Because Florida coming off five and seven, not in a great place. And now also getting investigated by the NCAA. Now, have been for a while. And I've seen some some comments. Oh, it's just the Jaden Rashada stuff. It's no big deal. It's old news. It's not because the NCAA is slow. The Jaden Rashada situation is one of the dumbest things that I have ever covered. So there's no telling what sort of loose ends there are to be grabbed onto. But Nick Delatore from Gators Online joined to help sort out what all of it means, the NCAA investigating Florida, what it means for Billy Napier, and also what might come next with Billy Napier and his coaching staff because the AD kind of hinted that there might be some more stuff going on. Here's Nick. We are joined now by Nick Delatore of Gators Online, part of the On3 Network Never a dull moment on the Gators beat, even when they're five and seven, even when they haven't changed coaches. And none of the major, major changes have happened. But uh, we do find out this past week, and Nick, you and I knew a little bit about this before, but the that they are under NCAA investigation. Uh, you got a copy of the letter of inquiry that came last June. What does this mean? Where are they at in terms of that that investigation? Yeah, this uh, all, all stems back to the Jaden Rashada $13.85 million um, offer that was real than not real and, and caused headlines a year ago this month. So uh, I think the NCAA was going to always look into this as well as some other high profile NIL deals, reported dealings, um, and they were poking around in the summer. Um, and we had talked to people at Florida about what they were doing and, and we we're told, Hey, this is all the NCAA is just looking into any big reported deal, nothing to see from this. Uh, and I think what we're finding out now is that maybe there is something more to this. And, and that's what the NCAA, uh, told Ben Sass back in June. Well, and you look at what happened with Florida state where Alex Atkins, their offensive coordinator gets suspended three games for driving a player to meet with a collective. Like, that's a pretty serious punishment for something that's kind of, eh, whatever, and actually something the NCAA president currently wants to make legal. 
So yeah. this, which I don't think they would like, this is not something that they they want to legalize. Basically, what what happened with the Rashada contract? Like, I, the the one thing in the Rashada contract that that stuck out to me when I got a copy of it last year was there was a five hundred thousand dollar payment <laughs> due on December fifth, which was before National Signing Day and and before. Jaden Rashada would show up on campus. So the rules state pretty clearly, like you can't use NIL as an inducement. Obviously, everybody does, but you can't be that dumb about it that you put it in writing. And that is seemingly what happened there, even though the money was never paid. That reminds me of, um, you know, uh, Life Wallet being tagged in basketball players' commitment tweet. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly. At Miami. Oh, yeah. Hey, way, it is for X amount of dollars and a car. Um, just blatantly, you know, screaming inducement and, and begging the NCAA to do something about it. I, I think obviously the, the number, which, you know, uh, is funny because you and I, after seeing the number and knowing what it was, we're finally able to tell people like, hey, no, it actually is $13 million because people were saying, there's no way you can't do this. And we're like, hey, I, no. I didn't believe it at first. Like, mm -hmm. I was like, that's not possible. And then I saw the contract. I'm like, oh, my God, somebody actually put that in writing. Yeah, so I, I think what the NCAA will be looking for in this case is, uh, obviously, the Gator Collective is is now defunct with the Jane Rashada stuff, but this would be um, a situation where, okay, well, the, the Gator Collective can offer these kind of things, but nobody at the university level right. can. Billy Napier can't know, endorse, promise these numbers nobody that works for the university athletic association can know promise or endorse these numbers that's what the ncaa is looking for mm -hmm. and that's what could get florida in trouble not just billy napier did anybody that's right getting whoever paid was involved in the process yeah. with the university athletic association were they part of the negotiations were they part of offering money to Jaden rashada that's what the ncaa yeah. is looking and you and I did lots of stories on this situation. Uh, you, you in this job, me in my old job. And the one thing I, I couldn't get any definitive proof on was who at Florida knew, when they knew, what they knew. That, I imagine, is what the NCAA people are trying to figure out right now. Because, uh, you know, I don't think Jaden Rashad is going to have any problem telling them what happened from his side of things yeah. uh, because he's, he's out of this. He got spurned. He didn't get the money he was promised. Um, but it would just be a matter of, is there a paper trail or, or some sort of proof mm -hmm. of anybody at Florida knowing? Cause I think that would probably be where the NCAA could, could do something. Yeah, that's, that's certainly what they'll be looking for. And I was told by a good source um, that the NCAA is offering immunity. And I think you can look at the Ameris Mims case Um which which you, kind of State spoke one, yeah. on, which you kind of spoke on just earlier. Um, how else would the NCAA know what he was offered by FSU or who drove him to the meeting to find out what he right. was going to be offered by FSU if not for the NCAA granting immunity and the players speaking to those numbers? So that would be a situation where, hey, are the Rashadas still angry about what happened? And do they have proof that would tie Billy Napier or somebody from the University of Florida Athletic Association to that contract negotiation and dealings. That's where Florida, I think, is worried. Um, speaking to some people, some people have seemed very worried. Some people have said, "No, this is not an issue. It won't be a problem. Um, we're cooperating, and and it'll be fine." So uh, the other thing too is that, like, I, I, in our in our day and age, Andy, everyone wants something right now. 
this is the NCAA, a organization that might move fat, uh, might move slower than the United States government. So who knows right. <laughs> when well, the end date? And like for this like is. the floor, the, the Florida State one with Amarius Mims, like Amarius Mims. For those who are confused, you're like, that's a Georgia player. Well, he mm -hmm. went in the portal, considered going to Florida State, and then he decided to stay at Georgia. Yeah. And that's where all this this stems from is is that period he was in the portal. Uh, the the Florida stuff. Like I remember when we were getting all the details of this stuff, it was basically a year ago this week. Mm -hmm. And nobody at Florida seemed particularly concerned, at least nobody yeah. in the administration. It didn't seem like Billy Napier was that concerned about their role in the Rashada piece of it. So I, I'll be curious. I, I am, I do wonder though, because the, the Florida State one was buttoned up quickly mm -hmm. and they negotiated a, a basically a settlement that said mm -hmm. Alex Atkins will be suspended here, right as Mike Norvell was saying, no, I'm not going to Alabama, I'm staying here. It felt like that all happened at once. Like, and also conveniently kept them from losing Alex Atkins as a head coach. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, a, a certain set of circumstances, whether manufactured or, or um, natural, uh, certainly played out. For Florida, I think when you look at it, uh, I mean, I go back to that, signing day and there's a mm -hmm. two and a half three hour waiting period where we're waiting for yes. Jaden Rashada's NLI to come in while the NIL was a mess behind the scenes um mm -hmm. is there a paper trail from that day is, is does Billy Napier become aware of a situation even if he had been dotting right. his I's and crossing his T's and staying out of it if you can prove that Billy Napier knew during that time period then right. that would be uh, that would be a problem. NCAA violation. That would be a problem for Florida. Now, I don't think Billy Napier wants to hear this, but we've seen this fairly recently in the SEC. Is there a chance Florida uses this to Jeremy Pruitt, Billy Napier? Uh, it, it certainly smells like it could be a four cause situation if you if your actions cause the the program to go on probation. And, and I'd seen, seen some fans because I added it to my story that. Florida had run into some NCAA recruiting issues with Dan Mullen, but Florida was not placed on probation. Dan Mullen was placed on right. probation and had a show cause. So I, I could be wrong, Andy, but I don't think Florida has been on probation since the eighties. Um, yeah, I don't, and, I don't, and, and, and I don't know if this, this puts them in like repeat violent, honestly, everything with the NCAA and its penalty structure has changed so much. Mm -hmm. And they're so sort of catch as catch can about what they do. I don't know that any precedent even matters. Like, yeah. And, and that's the thing, like with Tennessee, it, and it's so strange because this is, it, I realize we're, we're jumping to different schools, but everything kind of matters in this case. Yeah. Tennessee had a coach who was not winning enough in Jeremy Pruitt. They caught him with a bunch of NCAA violations and they fired him for free and they used it to fire him for free and it helped them kind of springboard, mm -hmm. gave them more money to use when they hired Josh Heupel and, and his staff. Meanwhile, you have Michigan where the NCAA thinks they've caught Jim Harbaugh red-handed on the, the cheeseburger gate thing. I don't, we're, we're not even getting into the sign-stealing stuff. but And Michigan defends him. Michigan, you know, they self-impose the suspension, trying to keep it as, as minimal as possible. But, like, Michigan has said, we've got your back. And if he comes back and he doesn't go to the NFL, they've got his back. And it's, it's just crazy – how nakedly obvious it is like when the school is happy with how you're winning, they're all they're, they got you. We'll but when you're losing, <laughs> you better watch your back. Like if I'm Billy Napier, I'm watching my back right now.
Yeah, if, if Billy Napier were to be fired after or during the 2024 season, Florida would owe him $25.67 million uh, if firing him uh, without cause. Uh, so that's uh, a pretty big number, especially if you're looking at firing a coach, then paying somebody else's buyout. Dan Lanning just reportedly told Alabama no thank you and has a $20 million buyout. So these are all money things that you would end up looking into um, if you're going to be going down the line of another coaching change. All right. That's all hypothetical. We don't know what's going to happen with the NCAA stuff. We don't know how long it's going to take. We'll, we will keep you updated as that situation develops. But Nick, you talked to Scott Strickland, the Florida athletic director last week before all, all the notice of inquiry stuff came out. Wish and you were talking him, uh, about like 24 hours later, Andy. <laughs> would have had... yeah, I think we know what he would have said, though. He, the the yeah. statement you got from uh, from Company his associate athletic director probably would have been about the same thing. So the the question that, that I had and, and had all offseason, OK, what is Billy Napier going to do staff wise? And, and we've seen a change in DB's coach, D line coach, strength coach, strength coach probably being the biggest one. Mm -hmm. but not as big of an overhaul as maybe kind of thought was going to happen. But I, I gathered reading your story with Scott Strickland that, it, that maybe that he was hinting at more. Yeah, he certainly said, you know, um, we Billy's made some staff changes and maybe there's some that aren't public yet. Um, and, and I have FOIA Freedom of Information Act uh, for someone who doesn't know the acronym uh, contracts because Rob Sale, Darnell Stapleton, the offensive co-offensive co coordinator who doesn't call plays and offensive line co-offensive line coach, both offensive who line both coaches, coach offensive line. Yeah. Yeah. Jabbar Jaluk, uh, all three of those offensive coaches are up. Their initial contracts there are up at the end of this month in 10 days, January 31st. Um, and, and then you also had uh, Mike Peterson on defense who is on an expiring contract. The other two coaches who are on expiring contract. So these, these are all guys that came in with Billy Napier. Yes, correct. Um, and Mark Hockey was extended uh, previously. His contract, coach. his the strength coach, his contract would have been ex expired, but they extended him last year. Uh, so he's under contract for another two years. So right now I get asked the question daily, uh, who mm -hmm. are they going to hire for offensive coordinator? And I give my own, uh, you know, associate athletic director company line that there is no current open position on the coaching staff. You would have right. to make some sort of, adjustment to the roles is that taking one of the two offensive line coaches into an off the field role Do either one of them want to leave the field and be in an off the field role. Uh, but you would have to create a space on your assistant coaching pool. You can only have 10 assistant coaches mm -hmm. that are on the field. You would have to make a space. Would that be, and I don't know how you make it without only having one offensive line coach, which is something Billy Napier thinks is very important. Recruits say that it's important. Um, the players say they love having two offensive line coaches. Personally, in my opinion, we're not seeing results recruiting wise that, that say, yes, this is good enough. Uh, and Florida's offensive line did not play well last year with two coaches. So would it be, is Scott Strickland speaking about, Hey, he's going to hire an offensive coordinator, someone to call plays, but then you get into also Andy is like, okay, well, are you just promoting Russ Calloway? And is it like an, an appeasement kind of thing? Or are you going outside of your building to bring somebody in? Well, I just, I look at it, the, I try to look at it through Billy Napier's eyes. And if everybody's on my back and they're going to try to fire me anyway, 
I feel like I'm going to go out my own way, mm-hmm. which is I'm going to call the plays. I'm not hiring somebody. I'm not going to not going to do something that's totally different from what I've ever done in this season where my job is on the line. That's the way I've thought about it. But, you know, I, you did hear some rumblings that he talked some people kind of in season mm-hmm. and then that just dried up. So I have no idea what's going to happen, but I, I, I find it really interesting this situation because he does have them financially strapped over a barrel where they would own $25 million if, if they wanted to fire him. But if you're him, you say, look, if I, if I have a bad year this year, they're probably going to fire me anyway. So I may as well do it the way I do it. Does. So the question for me is, does Billy Napier think his job is on the line? If he looks at the offense last year and, and the reason why Florida lost games he could realistically look at himself in the mirror and say the offense wasn't the issue. The play calling is right. not the issue. We have a quarterback in our second year, in his second year. I'm going to keep calling plays. We're going to fix the defense. And you've seen the moves that were made were defense, defense, mm-hmm. strength coach, not anything on the offense. So if Billy Napier doesn't think his job is on the line, then why change? If Billy Napier does think his job is on the line, are you going to put that fate into somebody else's hands, a different right. play caller? So to me, that's where I can look at the situation, uh, maybe, you know, like from a 30,000 foot viewpoint and think, no, they're not going to hire an offensive play caller because one, Billy Napier probably doesn't think the offense was the issue. And in most games, it wasn't. And two, if he does think he's going to get fired, like you said, go out on my own terms, not going to put my fate and my job status in somebody else's hands. Well, and the other piece of it in this situation is if you if you want to hire a, an accomplished play caller, somebody who's who's got a name already or is a kind of a rising star, that's expensive mm-hmm. because they would be coming in in a hot seat situation. Yeah. You have to overpay. Yeah. You also have to guarantee them a certain number of years, which you're going to have to pay as the university if you fire everybody. So the administration may say, mm, I don't know if we're willing to do that. Like, th- there's so many different layers to this, mm-hmm. and none of them – seem to point logically toward another person calling plays. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know what? You've made Gator Nation very happy uh, today, Andy, as they, no, as they I, listen no, to No, I didn't. I know I, know <laughs> I didn't, but I, I, I get the same questions you do every day. Yeah. Like, it, and I've been getting them, uh, and you you and I have both been getting these questions really since like September, October. And yeah. it's just, it's it's very interesting how, how this has all unfolded, but it, it kind of goes back, I really think it goes back to Billy Napier's contract. Like they gave this guy pretty much total control uh, without any sort of leverage on Florida's end, which made no sense because he didn't actually have any leverage when he got the job. Like he was at Louisiana. He he turned out Auburn and South Carolina the year before, but those weren't on the table then. Right. So who are you bidding against where you gave him essentially gave him the keys you were bidding against the chance that LSU was going to come calling. I think that's what you were bidding against. Right. Also, this there was no search firm. And also, I don't know why schools pay search firms tons of money. Um, but there was no search firm. Plausible this deniability. Because they yeah. can talk to everybody and you can say you haven't talked to them. That's that's really it in football. It's that's not a, like they ever give you a list. price tag. That's a big yeah, price yeah. tag for plausible yeah. deniability. Um, but – Scott Strickland made this with, you know, the Linda Teelers and and Steve McLean's and the people who have been around Florida that have helped coaching searches before. But I honestly don't believe that Scott Strickland will hire 
another football coach. I don't know that you get no. the chance to hire three. So I think he'll, t- Billy, he'll tell you that. He's, so that he's, was Billy Napier's leverage was, yeah. you're you're hiring me, and if you really want me, here's my list of demands. This is what I need. In Florida, I, we wrote about it and we talked about it. Florida had never given this much money to recruiting, to staff, to the yeah. infrastructure of football. I think Dan Mullen was, you know, uh, probably a, a little sore, a little sour when he when you looked at what Billy Napier was getting, and probably thought, oh, oh, I, I, we, we've seen the comments and would have loved to have that. Andy, yeah, yeah, and and look, Dan Mullen's justified in saying that. Will Muschamp's justified in saying that. Jim McElwain's justified in saying that because they all got told no about yeah. the same stuff. So, so it, it to me it showed an investment. It also, uh, you know, knowing that or believing that this would be Scott's last football hire for better or for worse, uh, it made sense. Hey, we're going to give you everything that you're saying you need to be successful because I need you to be successful. Um, and there will be no excuses from a buy-in level uh, for me, for Billy Napier, if, if it doesn't work out. Florida football gave him every one of his demands. Uh, we wrote 800 stories about every new addition to the Army. Uh, and and about how beneficial we were being told that it was going to be. Well, they're under an NCAA investigation for a quarterback Good. who never set foot on campus. One of the dumbest contracts ever committed to paper. Nobody did pay. So they got that going for them. And uh, they're coming off five and seven with maybe the hardest schedule in the history of the world. <laughs> that about sum it up? Yeah, yeah, I think I got another gray hair in my mustache or beard as you were listing that. You 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 really think this team has has turned your hair gray. I, I find that hard to believe. I think it's genetics. You, you you know when you see uh like Barack if you go to Barack Obama when he was first elected president and then you oh, see every like president, a picture, every president ages yes. in dog yes. years, yes. Yes. Yeah, uh, covering Florida is similar to being the president uh, in in terms of aging like dog years. I see. I was a Florida beat writer for five years, and I, I feel like I yeah I probably got younger after I got a different job. So I think you're right. <laughs> this one regret turned brown again. So. <laughs> it reverted. <laughs> exactly. Nick Delatore, he's the president of Gator Nation. <laughs> we'll talk to you later. One transfer I, I meant to mention with Pete Nakos that that I feel like we need to mention here because we always talk about how offensive linemen are not easy to find in the transfer portal. Lance Hurd transferred from LSU to Tennessee, offensive tackle. Hurd's one of those situations where he probably stays at LSU if he's not stuck behind two really good tackles and Will Campbell and Emory Jones who are going to be NFL guys, but they got to spend one more year in college. So Lance Hurd would like to play, and so he's going – going to see the Vols and uh and hoping he can play in Knoxville so that's one more that they want to throw that there I am truly enjoying the chat with all the folks just arguing about Michigan and Ohio State and especially Ohio State with with all this new investment into NIL and the transfer well, I don't know if it's new investment they are clearly doing some stuff NIL wise and I, I do enjoy the amateur NCAA investigators who somehow think it's like 1997 and, ooh, I'm going to tell the principal you're paying for players. Yeah, everybody is. Stuck it up. <laughs> they just finally figured out they're rich. So they're buying some players. Maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. But we're sure as hell going to talk about it.
I think we'll talk about it some more tomorrow night. Talk to you tomorrow.